Welcome to the Outbound Sales Podcast by Uplead. Join us as we share stories, insights, and advice from leading industry professionals to help you succeed in the world of outbound sales. I'm your host, Chris Zuby. Connor, thank you for joining the Outbound Sales Podcast. Appreciate you being here. Cheers, Chris. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely. So I'm going to tee it up with the same question I ask everybody. How did you get into sales? I kind of fell into sales. That's kind of the answer that I think a lot of people give when they say that they're in sales. And I initially started out in banking and relationship management and I quickly found out that 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 wasn't the role for me. And I had kind of an intermediary sales job, client management job about five or six years ago. And uh, luckily I came across Teamwork, which happened to be in, in my hometown in Cork, applied for the job and got it. That was over five and a half years ago and it was you know, probably the best career decision I've made. And turns out I was quite suited to sales and I was delighted that I ended up in Teamwork. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I saw that you had started out as an AE and kind of worked your way through the rankings. What's kind of kept you at Teamwork? For me, it's really the culture. I suppose one of our main values is, is act like an owner. And we seem to have this thing ingrained in us at the moment with working on Teamwork that you wanted to succeed because if the value is pushed on us so much as I think like an owner, how can we best serve our customers or how can we make Teamwork better as, as an organization constantly you know, pushing ourselves to provide information, provide feedback to the company. And they really accelerate in that. And for me, that is something that's really ingrained in terms of my beliefs with regards to a company that I want to work for. And it's just become part of my everyday of working on teamwork, like thinking and acting like an owner and just trying to improve the company every other way that we can. And we try to instill that to everyone in the company. And for that kind of culture, it's just, it's something that is great to work for. Would you say that you want to be there forever? Yeah, for the foreseeable future. I think it's an incredibly exciting time to be part of teamwork. We're growing, you know, at an exponential rate. And I've seen so much change since I started five years ago. And it's only getting better and better uh, what we do in terms of how we sell the processes, how we define who we're talking to and who we're selling to. We have recently opened an office in Denver. So we have a sales office in Denver as well, covering most of the North American territory. So you can see the expansion of it even in the last 12 months and what it's going to be like over the next 12 to 24 months. So it's an incredibly exciting time to be part of teamwork. Awesome. Very cool. Tell me about like in your experience leading and managing an outbound sales team. We would define kind of outbound in two kind of stretches. We would have, I suppose, the outbound, which would historically be led by the marketing team. So driving leads to our SDRs, working through the funnel in terms of scoring. And we contact these customers who we would feel would fit into our ideal customer profile. That would be kind of the cold outreach as well that the SDRs and the AEs would focus on as well. So I suppose from an outbound perspective, who to reach out to? Is it we're just picking up a phone call and just calling these customers for, for no particular reason? No, we have a plan in place. We have a list of customers that we feel that have good buying intent, are showing good buying signals, and we go after them in terms of you know different channels of communication. We would then have warm outbound, which I'm specifically focused on at the moment uh, with our expansion team. And I suppose in this day and age, your customer base that you have at the moment, that expanding that customer base has become ever more present. You're trying to get the most value for the customer and seeing where they can go with Teamwork. So initially starting with that with our US book of business, which we set up last July. And now we've set up our rest of world book of business in the last six months. And so from that perspective, we're going out to these book of business customers that may not have had a huge amount of communication with us prior to this, but now we're getting to know these customers further from an account management perspective and you know increasing the visibility they have with us. So, you know, in essence to your question, we kind of frame it in two pillars, I suppose. We have kind of kind of the cold outreach or the cold outbound and the more so the warm outbound that we have. Got it. And what type of channels are you using to dig up the new business or add business? So the channels that we currently have are your fundamentals of your phone and your email. We currently utilize Sales Navigator. We recently took on Vidyard as well, which we are finding huge success in, in terms of, you know, it's kind of 
slow start in terms of trying to get the reps to record themselves. And sometimes people don't like being recorded themselves and getting creative and everybody's different in that sense. But we've seen a huge uptick in terms of the usage of that. And our customers have really responded to in terms of that could be a 30 second or a minute video, just being able to explain you know, why you're contacting someone, was the reasons for it, and just adding a little personalization. For us, getting in front of our customers is the first part and getting in front of the prospects as well. But how do we differentiate ourselves other than the value that we provide? You know, it's that level of personalization, that extra level of research that we're doing beforehand to get to know the customer, to get to know their business, and just to ensure that they're comfortable in the conversations we have with them. Got it. And what are some typical challenges that you run into on just a normal occurrence? The toughest part is actually getting on the calls or getting in contact with the customers. Once you do that, you want to be able to ensure that you're saying the right things, you're speaking to the customers so that you're kind of catching their intent straight away. And that's quite difficult in terms of being able to measure what you're saying to what the customer wants or to be able to pick up on what the prospect wants, for instance. And one thing that we have found is helping us now is that we're using Gong quite a lot in terms of the call recording. And we're using the insights from Gong to get better at the conversations that we have each day. So this could be in relation to the types of things that we're saying on calls, picking up the triggers. And what we're doing then is role playing based on how we get better at that. And um, we recently took on HubSpot as well, which is being a game changer for us in teamwork. And what we're doing is we're actually creating pre-call planning, pre-call playbooks so that the team have a structure to go into these calls with and a direction that they can take the calls. And so open-ended questions and making sure that we get good conversations with customers. So that has been an initial challenge. It's something that we're continually working on and continually overcoming. But for us, I think that the most difficult part of that would be was getting in front of the customers first, but then having the correct conversations with them. Sounds like you guys have picked up the phone quite a bit too and doing quick pitches as well on the phone. Yeah, exactly. We like to have a good split between, say, for instance, calls and emails. It's all well and good being able to email somebody. But if you get them on the call, sometimes emails may be pushed to one side because you know people can be getting hundreds of prospecting emails or hundreds of, of emails from their accounts on a separate day-to-day or weekly basis. But I think trying to get people on calls is very important as well. So we do very much encourage a split between calls and emails. And the other metric that we would track on top of that as well then is, is meetings. So how do we drive revenue? How do we drive conversations where our customers are first port of call is the activities that we do from an email perspective and a call perspective, which leads to in-person meetings. And that in turn leads us to be able to build relationships and increase revenue from those customers. Nice. Yeah, I personally think that phone is everything. Like emails all well and good. And you can do a lot of really good work, obviously, over email. But like anytime you get an email, the gut, in my mind, response should be to pick up the phone and call that person. Just so nothing gets lost in translation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And what we try to push as well is, you know, when you are delivering pricing or quoting or anything like that to the customer, sometimes, you know, when you get a quote and a price, it can be sometimes can be taken aback by the customer price. But I think it's best to kind of jump on a call immediately, just as you mentioned there, and try to deliver that price. As an example, if you're trying to prospect a customer or trying to get a level of information from them, you might get an email back in a specific time frame, or you might come across in a different way in an email. I think the best way to talk to a customer is on the phone because you could catch them at a particular time where they're particularly you know, from a prospective perspective off guard and they're just happy to have a conversation with you and the amount of information you can generate for that is tenfold for what you can get from an email. Yeah, 100%. What do you notice as common themes across some of your best performers? Work ethic is the number one thing from a rep or an AM. I suppose from a closing perspective or a conversation perspective, you can coach that to individuals. Work ethic and drive is something that you would always look for when you're hiring or re-interviewing. Do you think this individual can simply slot in and just put in the effort from day one? 
And if you get effort from an individual rep, that you can build the structure of how you sell or the process that you can set or you push around that general work ethic. So the people that we find are the most successful are the people who have the ability to be able to, I suppose, do the work, but then also on the same front are very coachable, open to feedback. How can I get better? Always looking to continually get better. Something that we're doing quite a lot at the moment is we have weekly film reviews across SDR team, AMs and A's, and we do it from the MIA team and also the US team. And what we do is we take a call each week. Each person has a reviewer, so positive and potentially negative feedback from it. A good way to be able to peer review and get an understanding of where you're getting better. And we see a lot of our top performers are actually submitting their calls to be reviewed either by the managers or by their peers because they're continually looking to get better. So you've seen that's just been incredibly successful. It's driving the engagement across the team. People are learning in, in a huge way. And you can see you now people are saying, okay, someone else has submitted their call. Maybe I should start doing it. And it's actually fostering a really good environment in terms of people wanting to learn and get better. That's amazing. Have you ever thought about turning something like that into a KPI or like kind of enforcing it? Or do you kind of like it as something that's kind of come across organically? To begin with, it's very much an organic scenario at the moment. It is something that we're looking at from a KPI perspective. We haven't pushed it 100% as of yet, but we do look at it on a week-to-week basis from a management perspective. Like who's using Gong? Who's submitting their own calls? brilliant thing from Gong is the responsiveness to email. So we can actually measure the responsiveness of time frame to emails that a person is responding to their customers. So then we can measure that metric. We can also measure who is listening to each other's calls. So if a person is questioning, I suppose, how do I get better? It's like this facility sorry, is here for you to be able to utilize it. So, you know, why don't you go in and, you know, listen to someone in the US calls or so the US team listen to it and a MIA call. We aren't quite at the level of ingrained metric at that yet, but it is something that we are definitely keeping an eye on. On the subject of KPIs, is there anything that you do find yourself monitoring or making a requirement for the team? Or is it more of a culture where, you know, you get the job done and you're not really going to spend too much time worrying about that stuff? No, not really. We have metrics that we do follow because our sales operations team have done a fantastic job in terms of analysis of where we see that the most successful reps do the correct things and how they do them. So we're able to run reports based on the number of activities that I say, for instance, an account manager or an SDR would do and equate that to the numbers they're driving and how successful they are by doing that. And what we find, obviously, is the more you get in front of your customers, the more opportunities you have to talk to them, the more customers you talk to gives you the better opportunity to generate meetings and then in turn generate revenue from that. So for us, a big thing is activity. And it's something we push on a week-to-week basis, just generally seeing how many emails are being sent, how many calls are being done, and how is that generating into meetings? As an example, what we looked at in Q1 is how do we increase our meeting rate by 5% in Q2? So that's what we're focused very heavily on a management and an operations perspective. How do we increase that meeting rate to actually get in front of more customers? I'm guessing you do some level of call coaching or like training of your reps. Like, what do you find yourself focusing on most? At the moment, I was actually listening to a really good podcast called Revenue Builders recently enough. And it was in relation to during this pretty difficult economic times, things have slowed down in terms of, you know, companies aren't spending as much money. So what we have to do is we have to be super strict in terms of our discovery and making sure that we are providing the value to the customer because when they go to, I suppose, give their CFO or their finance team a quote, for instance, 20, 25 grand, they're going to scrutinize that based on, do we need to spend this? And it's up to us to get really laser focused in terms of our discovery to ensure that we're providing enough value that I always say to the reps, when you give that quote to that customer, are you confident in giving that quote? 
so that you're confident that you've provided enough value at the start and in the discovery, you've dug deep enough into the pain and the issues that that 20 grand should be an absolute no-brainer for them to sign off on. So for us at the moment, using Gong on a daily basis, listening to calls, coaching them, getting on calls with my team as well, I team to get on to maybe at least two calls a day with the team and have feedback sessions after it and really become laser focused in terms of discovery and also agenda setting and, and next steps at the end. They've kind of the two major ones are focused at the moment. Do you ever jump in and like team sell with your AEs or is it, do they pretty much handle everything from front to close and you'll just jump in and kind of like help out with like pipeline type stuff? So we would do a pipeline management session, which each individual on a week to week basis on calls, I would let my more senior reps run that situation themselves because I'd be confident in what they do. The odd time I, I would jump in where we find it extremely valuable and really helpful is when you're on calls with maybe newer people on the team, maybe less experienced just to be able to guide them in certain directions. I found that from that coaching perspective, when should I jump in, when I should step back as a learning experience? Because if I jump in at times, it means that I could be doing certain things to the reps that they might not learn on. But at the same time, you want to get the sale, you want to be able to provide the value to the customer. So it's a tricky line in terms of being able to try to judge that. But from, I suppose, the origination of a deal, we will be pretty much embedded in it because we can be added as collaborators to HubSpot. So I know exactly what's going on with a lot of the larger the deals, would have conversations on all the deals with the team on a week-to-week basis. So try to be in as grained as possible, not to pressurize. I want the team to be able to learn and you know, think for themselves in terms of how they run the deal, but always be there as a sounding board, always asking, what would they do? That'd be the question that my VP is excellent in terms of asking you know, what would you do in, in this sense? And it makes me think in terms of how the strategy I put in place. I've tried to part that onto the reps as well. I think a lot of times it just feels nice for a prospect to have some level of support coming from management. Do you guys do any manager send behinds or kind of plays from the ivory tower down at the prospect level? Yeah, that's something that we're starting to push very heavily. What we do is we do exec sponsors as well. So our C-level executives do get involved with deals down the line. And what we've done as well from an automated perspective is that each Friday, our team have to be able to fill out a task on HubSpot with an update for the exec sponsor. And that allows us then to be able to build out a picture for the exec sponsor. They get on calls with the customer if needs be, send out an email. It's always very helpful to get an email from an exec sponsor in terms of, you know, showing an extra bit of love to the customer that we're fully invested. Say, for instance, getting an email from the CCO or the CFO or anything that. And as recent as maybe three weeks ago, we had a big expansion account and our CFO jumped on a call that evening and had a great conversation with their leaders as well. And I think it really added an enormous amount of weight to that. So we do do this you know, from the C-level executive all the way down to the VP, director sales, and myself would pitch in in terms of needs to, I suppose, show the customer that extra bit of love or help with the emails or anything like that. You mentioned in there too, automation and working with my team and, and even just working myself, like I rely on the automation. If I can't have all of my systems communicating with one another, it's yeah. probably just bogging me down. What do you guys do from an automation standpoint? So for instance, the ones that we don't want to automate are emails. So I can create sequences from an outbounding perspective. I don't automate the email sends. What I do is I like to keep them as manual because what it does is it, it forces us to add that level of personalization. I think sometimes when emails are almost too automated that it doesn't come across to the customer and I don't think they'll even bite in terms of conversations with us. So we're able to create these automated sequences, but the email sends have to be manual out of it. In terms of automation as well, is that once we close a customer, we automate from a new business task into an expansion so that automatically it comes straight in. It doesn't mean that we have to 
pass one from another. It's automated gone through. And also when we close a deal from an expansion perspective, we're setting up tasks within three to four weeks so that we're reaching back out to the customer, ensuring that their first 30 days with the company has been successful if they need any help. And it takes that need to think about those customers straight away because what it does is it actually puts tasks in. People have queues of tasks and they say, okay, I'm going to reach back out to these customers, ensure that they're getting a successful onboarding system within Teamwork, that they're happy. If not, how do we make them happy and how do we continue the process with Teamwork over the next three, six, nine, 12 months and so on? I like that. And I don't know about you. I, sometimes I try to find more ways that I can incorporate automation. It seems like the yeah. more automation that I can do, like the less everybody else is going to have to deal with on the back end. Is yeah. that something that you guys are actively in pursuit of on a regular basis? Or how would you describe that? What we're always trying to do is make it as easy for the reps, the SDRs and the AAs and the AMs just to concentrate on the selling side of things. How do we make it as simple as possible for them? And it's something that we're continually iterating on. And since we got HubSpot, it's made it 10 times easier for us to be able to do that. That can be from an SDR perspective to adding things to an AM or an AE billing, working with our finance team who are now looking in HubSpot as well and our CSMs. And having all of that automated in the one central area has made life 10 times easier for us. It gives everyone visibility. So everybody knows what's going on within a particular account or within a prospect or marketing team are also involved in HubSpot as well. So having that all together has made our life 10 times easier. It really is, is being a game changer for us. Ever have any issues with like adoption? Because there's usually something that the user has to do to either get it set up or mm -hmm. put it in motion or remember to do every single time. Do you ever have any issues with adoption or does your team just seem to pick this stuff up really easily? We have an onboarding team here in Teamwork who onboard our clients. And what I always try to do or what I try to tell the guys or the girls as well on the team is that how would we put ourselves in the shoes of the onboarding team or the customer that we have sold to and onboarding in? So are they adopting to Teamwork? And if they don't adopt to Teamwork, they won't be successful. It's the exact same situation when we use LinkedIn Sales Navigator, Gong, Vidyard. So one way around that is that we've created sequences and in the sequences, the steps include Vidyard, your pre-call planning from HubSpot, your LinkedIn Sales Nav, and it's forcing the team to actually use it on a day-to-day -day basis. So then it becomes almost ingrained in their daily life. People can be, you know, they might like to change, they might like the way that they work. And, you know, we like to people to have a sense of freedom to be able to work their own book of business or to work their customers. But at the same time, we've gotten a lot of data and a lot of feedback that these systems work. So now we're going to implement them. And the easiest way for us to be able to implement them is to use them on a regular basis. So by putting them into sequences or by ensuring that you have a metric for how many vidyards have you sent this week, how many times have you looked on sales that, who are you prospecting? And we measure that then so it becomes ingrained in the way that we work on a daily, weekly basis. I like the answer. You just force them to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it. Yeah. It can be difficult at times. And it, you know, when you've got shifting in the mindset of an individual who may have worked a certain way, you kind of need to have a conversation with that person about how they feel about it, their feedback, and then just try to you know show exactly why we're using it. And when we're selling, we always try to get to the why. It's the exact same thing when we're talking to AMs, AEs, and SDRs about why we're doing things. And if you can show them the reason behind it and the why and how it can be successful, it's a lot easier to get, I suppose we would say the volunteer army to get behind you and to be able to use the systems that you're implementing. I really like that point too. I'm not even like dive into that a little bit. If you can think about selling as just kind of teaching somebody why something works, I think that way you can get people to open up their mind and kind of think about it in a different way. I think in yeah. general, like salespeople can be a little bit stingy on yeah. how they, if they've got a process, they want to just kind of keep that process in place. At Uplead, we sell to salespeople. So we're dealing with that type of persona. So for me, that message really resonates. 
Yeah, it's something that I think we will continue to push with because we have very skilled salespeople. And I suppose when you break it down, how do you do your day-to-day job and how can you implement it into these other certain frames? Like as an example, something that we've tried to do very heavily is that we create sequences, but when we create the sequences, we get the team involved in them. So that are actually their front and center in terms of the messaging that's going out the structure of it, how many of them we're doing. And what we tend to do then is have a group session in terms of, do we feel that this sequence is working? Is the wording correct? Are we doing the right things? Are we targeting the right customers? So that everybody has a very collaborative approach in terms of how we're going out for it. Obviously, the start is in terms of, I'll create the sequence and the structure of it, but everybody is involved then with the remainder of it so that everybody has a piece of the pie in terms of how we're going after our customers and how everybody is learning and growing at the same time by collaboratively doing these things. I'm guessing then at that point, like once you've collected a little bit of data on how you're performing on some of those sequences, you're doing a lot of changing and toggling and A-B testing there or... Do you just kind of let, let them roll? or Yeah, we're continually monitoring them. One thing that we monitor quite heavily would be, say, for instance, the open rates on emails and the meeting rates and the number of calls. My colleague, Abby, who's my counterpart in the United States, we collaborate quite a lot in terms of what they're doing from a sequence perspective, which will be very similar to what we're doing in EMEA and the rest of the world. But they might have slightly different language based on the markets they're talking to. They might have one or two different types of steps that they have in the sequence. But along the lines, they're very similar. But we're trying different things on a very regular basis just to ensure that we're consistently getting better at what we're doing. I really like that. I've recently been experimenting and I haven't gotten very far, so I'm going to have to still collect the data on it. But I've been experimenting with like splashing a little bit of humor, splashing some jokes into emails like Do you ever do that? Is that something that's in the Rolodex for you guys? So we're pushing very heavily in terms of the personalization of emails. And that's why over the last couple of weeks, what we've started to do is actually take away, I suppose, the email. So we create the email template. And now what we're doing is we're actually forcing the team to input their own email and their own level of personalization. It doesn't need to be, I suppose, crazy long in terms of the email, but what they're doing is they're putting in the subject line that we think that will grab an attention. We put something about, have you done your research in LinkedIn? That's a big thing for us. Have we researched the company in LinkedIn, even on Google, any bit of news or anything like that? And I'm getting the team to share these with me so I can share them in our chat channels or internal chat channels to say, hey, look, this one of the individuals mm-hmm. had a great email and referenced this about the customer. A really, really good and an example of, and this was from one of my top performers last week, was that he simply referenced to a customer who had gained investment. And it just created this open conversation with that customer, flowed into a call, and got the meeting out of that. So we're really encouraging that level of personalization, getting deep in terms of how do you get better with your pre-call, with your predetermined information that you have for the call, and adding in certain things into the email. One thing, another one of our top performers created many gifts of working at the platform and put that into an email. I thought that was like super clever in terms of, hey, this is the feature that we're currently using, and just a small little gif inside the email. And it's a huge success talking to our customers and our prospects as well, because they got to see exactly what was going on in this 15 second GIF on the email. Nice. They don't even have to click anything. It's just yeah, playing, exactly, just yeah. kind of showing up. That's pretty savvy. Yeah. So I want to kind of wind things down a little bit. One question I like to ask as we start to kind of taper things off to here is if you could just offer one piece of wisdom to any outbound sales team, what would you offer? What I think worked well for us and what has worked well for me prior to being a manager is persistence. Just don't get too bogged down on, you know, if you're getting no's, if you're getting rejected, you know, consistently putting in the same work ethic every day and consistently going after your calls, your emails, and be very process driven in your own day to day. 
and don't get too bogged down in getting rejected or getting no's because it's going to happen. Don't get too deflated about it. Keep that work ethic alive and you will be successful. I have no doubt about that. Even from an SDR perspective, an AE or an AM, the work ethic that you can put in there and just the perseverance that you can put in there really, really help. And instead, to me, in terms of when I was a rep, I continually tried to practice that on a day-to-day basis and it was fruitful. So for me, that would be the most important thing. Just keep the head down, persevere and keep going in terms of activities because it will come good for you. Nice. I really like that. And if we've got any recurring listeners, like that seems to be a theme we cover here on this podcast a lot is that persistence and maintaining that attitude, kind of keeping yeah. control of what you can control. And a lot of times yeah, that exactly. literally only just means you're in frame of mind and kind of going in there and showing up. So I completely agree. I really like that advice. And to piggyback too on the activity portion too, like I always say activity breeds activity. So if you want somebody to do something, like you got to give them a reason to do it. So I really like those points there. Yeah, well, we've set like a certain level of activity that needs to be completed by your teams. And for us, what we're saying is if you're on calling teams and you're making your emails, our sequences become secondary. It's because you're going to be talking to prospects and customers on a day-to-day basis on the phone and email all day long. The busier you are, these activities, they just build up and build up and build up because you're completing so many because you're so busy. It makes it for a fantastic way to be able to work. It makes work a lot more enjoyable because you're busy, things are going well. And what you're doing is that these metrics are being hit on a regular basis. So the micromanagement of things becomes irrelevant because everybody is working in unison. It's actually being very successful from a metric perspective. In sales in general, and I guess life in general, over the course of the last 10 years, five years, two years, technology has just been getting more and more infused. But Mm. within the context of sales, what are your thoughts on the way that technology has become so infused in what we're doing? And what do you see for the future state, what that will continue to look like? In terms of the ability to be able to understand where your customers and the buying intent that they have has become ever more present in the way that we sell. You know, five years ago or 10 years ago, if you're just picking up the phone and calling customers and essentially not knowing exactly maybe where they are in terms of their buying process, not the intent that they have. At the moment, we have so many things at the tip of our fingers in terms of knowing what the customer's you know, intent is, the buying signals that we can get from certain features, how many they're using, how many times they're touching on the trial. You know, Product qualified leads is something that we work quite heavily with and the metrics that they go through from our funnel, from marketing. So it is the norm, essentially, in terms of technology. My life has become 10 times easier, but it's become a lot better in terms of getting something like HubSpot or Gong into my hands because we can impart yeah. that information into the reps. And I, I think it's just going to get better and better. And something that I've seen so much of in LinkedIn, and I've been kind of late to the party, is ChatGPT and people using that for writing emails and prospecting mm-hmm. and things like that. And that's just going to evolve and evolve. So I think it's about evolving with the times as well. There's no point kind of staying in the past in terms of how you worked. You know, these buying trends and buying techniques are going to get better and better. So it's up for us to be able to keep up with that because all it does is it makes our lives easier and enriches it with data to be able to talk to customers and to be able to understand our customers better. And at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is get to the bottom of what the customer is trying to do so we can provide value to them. And the more value that we can provide to the customers is better for the relationship with that customer. Are you leveraging chat GPT at all? I'm starting to starting to. As I said, it's a small bit late to the party, but I'm starting to. It's an incredibly powerful tool and incredibly helpful. So yeah, starting to do it a bit here and there, but definitely will start to use it more because it just provides so much information just at the click of the fingers. Are you using it for like email campaigns or how do you leverage it right now? Yeah, it was something as simple as yesterday. I was writing a campaign for a sequence. You know, I was kind of maybe thinking about how could I write this, I suppose, a small bit in a better frame because I felt the email was very transactional. 
So what I did was just put it into ChatGTP and just say, look, can you make this more sequence-friendly email? And within 30 seconds, it just generated this email for me. Now, it wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it definitely changed the framework of what I wanted to send and the theme of what I was trying to send. So that was just one example of where it can be very powerful. I need to start using it a little bit more. It's like yeah. one of those tools where like the more creative that you can be with it, the more you can get out of it. So it's yeah, wild exactly. technology. It's I can it see is. it changing the game long-term, but as far as the debate of like taking away jobs from salespeople or marketers, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. Technology probably needs to be a little better, but it's yeah, pretty it's, good. I don't know if I want to say it needs to be any better. It is pretty good, but I think, you know, as technology evolves and as we have all these tools at, at our fingertips, you know, the salesperson is never going to die because the personalization that an individual can provide to an account or the relationship that they can provide to an account is invaluable to be able to run a business and to be able to purchase software as well. So for me, it's only empowering the salesperson, but the salesperson is the person who's actually driving everything. Yeah. Like there's science and art to the sale and you can automate the science portion, but you can't really automate the art side of the, yeah, the spectrum. Yeah, so. exactly, yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's what I had for you. So this was a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Tons of value. Before we sign off, was there anything that you wanted to quick plug? Yeah, look, I think just thanks for having me. It's great to be able to talk to like-minded individuals. You know, And if anybody would like to talk to Teamwork, please come talk to us. As I said, we're based here in Ireland, but we've just opened an office in Denver and a fantastic sales team over there. So uh, be happy to talk to anyone about their management and project management needs. Anybody listen, talk to Connor. He's a good guy. Yeah. Take care of you. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Thanks again. Thanks so much. And yeah, we'll be in contact. Cheers, Chris. Great to talk to you. The Outbound Sales Podcast is brought to you by Uplead, the premier source for accurate B2B data you need to connect with and close your most valuable buyers. With a focus on data accuracy, Uplead offers a 95 plus percent accuracy guarantee. To learn more about how Uplead can help you find accurate B2B data of the people you want to do business with, visit our website at www.uplead.com. Don't forget to search for the Outbound Sales Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to stay updated on all of our latest episodes. Thank you for listening, and we hope you find value in each episode.